This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. With me today in the studio are my med student friends, all of them, book smart and street smart. Say hello to the courageous Madeline Cusimano. Hello. The triumphant M4 Abby Fife has returned. Hi. The pluripotent MD PhD student Aline Sanduk hey. is here. Hi, hi. And the principled and morally upright Emma 4. Emma 4? Emma 4. Emma 4. Emma Bar joins us Hello. from the internet. Uh, that's a great Twitter handle, actually. I'm a yeah, four. you should use it. <laughs> yeah. Med Twitter. You've got Emma <laughs> Four. You've got uh, roughly six months left to use that. Yeah. Today's show is sponsored by the Short Coat Podcast. If you want to help support the show, you can do so in a couple of ways. First, you can donate. You can get yourself some stickers, or you can name your price for a digital copy of Recipes for Med School Success. If you want to check out any of those? Go to theshortcoat.com/store. If you have no money. Or don't want stuff. I get it. I understand. If you spread the word to whatever online community you're part of and tag us on your Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook post, I'll send you something for free. Maybe some stickers. Maybe, I don't know. I'll send you something for free. That's how I roll. You know, you know what I'm saying? You Can do you something for me, me something? I'll do something to you. Your support in this way helps helps us reach more than we could if we just relied on institutional support. So I appreciate anything that you can do to help us with that. Can you send me some stickers for free? If you share it with your online community. I've rated and reviewed on the podcast. <laughs> I have a very, very, very small online community. I can't emphasize enough. Yes, most of my communities in real life in the internet care about me. <laughs> <laughs> We're not influencers, Dave. Is that's am, what you're asking? Hey, look, I'll take what I can get. My, I said my podcast. Main social media platform is Pinterest. If that just tells you anything about how post the. F- out of us on Pinterest. I never think yeah. of Pinterest as a as a thing to use, but maybe I should. <laughs> Just stuck I, in. I sent it to a friend who is applying to Carver. We'll talk. We'll talk after the show. I'll hook you up. And what if I put this podcast on my ERAS? Does that count? It does not <laughs> <Yeah>. count. <laughs> it does not count. Okay, this is it's only come up actually in a couple interviews, but one like he he asked the name. He asked like who so who does it every week? Like he asked so many specific questions and I was like, dang it. Now he's going to like be able to look it up. And then like listen to the episode. Shot yourself <laughs> in the foot there, didn't you? No, I'm just the most he was just very interested. That gets brought up for me. And they always seem yeah, to think I'm way more impressive mm-hmm. than I am. They think that I run it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, same. No. <laughs> it, clearly, it clearly says on my application, co-host, not mm-hmm. director, not maker. <laughs> yeah. I just come and I talk. Yeah. And I put that in the description, you, too. You can't control people's impressions of you, even the overly good ones, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, just take it. Don't don't misrepresent yourself. Just be like, I see. Yeah. We have a listener question from Abby. Should we just jump right into that? Not Abby, me, you could have no. just not you, us. Abby. Another, <laughs> another. Really confused me for a moment. Another Abby, somebody at least as magical as you, I imagine. Probably. Okay. Here we go. I graduated in May of 2020 with a degree in industrial engineering and engineering management with a minor in occupational safety with a 2.9 GPA. I struggled mostly with upper maths and really didn't push myself to be my best while at school due to lack of passion in my future career. I do have past experiences working in the medical field but have nothing that truly makes me stand out compared to others. My medical experience includes shadowing several surgeries in high school and later becoming a CNA for four months before switching to an emergency room technician for two years working roughly full-time while finishing my degree. I have been wanting to go back to school to meet the prerequisites for medical school but don't know if I am spending money to set myself up for failure or to not be accepted. Do you have any suggestions for people like me who are looking to switch careers and become an MD? 
Thank you for your question, Abby. I think we can all, I think you guys can all probably sympathize with this fear of like, am I good enough mm-hmm. Yeah. to get into med school? And I just want to start off by saying you are good enough mm-hmm. to get into med school. This is not really a problem. So then, because, you know, 2.9, okay, yeah, people will, mm-hmm. people will quibble with the 2.9. Like, oh, that's, that's yeah. kind of low, whatever. But plenty of people have gotten into med school yeah, and I also with think, a two point nine. I do think that admissions committees would be able to understand the context of, like, my husband's an engineer in engineering. GPA doesn't really matter as much. They just want to push you to problem solve. Emphasis is more on like real life experiences, internships, mm-hmm. things like that. And you know, regardless of whether that was their reasoning for maybe not pushing themselves, you know, to get a higher GPA. Um, I think in the context of engineering, like GPA isn't as important. And if you're able to explain that, that's good. But also, I know people who had pretty poor GPAs in college for all sorts of different reasons who got into med school. Yeah. And I think also like in this situation too, it sounds like she graduated like at least a few years ago and is going to need to do some more like classes so like probably getting like a post or a master's to get those prereqs i think that in that situation where like the actual degree was like a few years ago and you're gonna have some new new coursework and hopefully try and get a, a higher gpa yeah. if you can on that that's gonna kind of help make that 2.9 a lot less relevant than it would be if you were a senior like in college applying with a 2.9 and nothing else on your app so i think that is a really helpful thing to hear definitely want to crush that that prerequisites Mm -hmm. those prerequisite courses now yeah and i'd also try and find like a really good advisor if you can yeah go ahead emma i think yeah like abby was saying there's other ways to bring up your application including like doing really well on the mcat that's still scored right Step one has changed, but yeah. And then also they talked about having like working as an what was it, emergency room technician. Mm-hmm. Like that's great experience too. And I think really playing up that they're kind of a non-traditional student. I think a lot of schools are looking for people with various um, experiences. Another thing is they said that they shadowed in high school, maybe doing more shadowing now. Shadowing is like kind of a necessary evil. I always thought it was super boring, but you have to show that you like know what a doctor does. And yeah, I was going to um, say I think that they would say get some updated shadowing. I was going to say, like, your job now is to not only sort of crush your prerequisites, but it's also to come up with an answer to the question, why do you want to be a doctor? And to be able to tell that story in a compelling way, whether it's through your application materials or your interview, any interaction you have with, you know, the admissions crew at whatever schools you're applying to, like that needs to be sort of top of mind in all of your discussions. And I feel like as an encouragement, the medical experience listed is actually a lot more than a lot of medical students who go straight from college into medical school. And not saying that there's one right path, but like a year of emergency medical technician, like that's a lot of experiences and they still probably need updated shadowing but you probably also don't need as many as someone coming like straight from college where all they can really make time for is maybe a part-time job or like shadowing a couple hours here and there that adds up to a lot i love this idea of you know i guess her concern is also like this is going to cost a lot of money Mm -hmm. to go to med school am i going to be able to succeed i mean that question has to be in the back of her Mm -hmm. mind like it is probably like it was probably for all of you What do you have to say about that? I would say think really hard about it, because as someone who is potentially going into a second career, I wouldn't want to necessarily push someone into it just because like, no, you can find a way to do it. Like as you're doing your prerequisite classes, like do I actually like entering the learning environment again? Am I ready for this long path? And then as you're getting that updated shadowing experiences or just really reflecting on your technician time, just saying, like, is this where I'm supposed to be? Because it is a long journey. And I think non-traditional students are a great asset to the medical community. But I wouldn't want someone, anyone to enter the path without, like, seriously discerning. So, yeah, you you have to spend some time contemplating what it is you're trying to Mm -hmm. to do here and 
mentors, and, and, advisors. And I think you're not saying this to discourage no, her. No, absolutely not. You're just saying that like, this is like a very reasonable thing to do when you're embarking on something that is, mm-hmm. you know, going to cost you. Yeah. I think something that really helped me, I had a lot of self-doubt about going to medical school. Something that helped me is like firmly excluding every other option. So I would suggest like shadowing PAs and nurse practitioners. And if you're interested in nutrition or physical therapy, like make sure those are not other options that you may want to do. That's a fantastic idea. So that you absolutely idea. know that mm-hmm. you want to be a doctor. Because I feel like a lot of people I met in medical school didn't even know what PAs were. And we have classes at yeah. University of Iowa with PAs for the first year and a half. And I felt like I had shadowed some. And so I kind of knew what mm-hmm. the difference were and just making sure that you're really set on being an MD and not something else that may um, be faster or suit your like desires more. That's fantastic uh, because I think most people when they think of shadowing they think of shadowing doctors and yes this is this is perfect advice. Because like the MD is is probably the longest and most expensive Mm -hmm. route to go off of because not only do you have the four years of med school that's going to put you like hundreds of thousands in debt. You also still have like training after that. That isn't always factored in that you are getting paid, but you're not like mm-hmm. getting paid the full. Of you're that. not getting paid yeah. super, super yeah. well. Yeah. And yeah. so I think it is just like for anyone at any point considering going into med school, thinking about like, okay, I love medicine, mm-hmm. but like, do I want to be the MD? Like, would I be happy as a PA or a nurse practitioner or a respiratory therapist or one of like the zillions of other positions where you get to work with mm-hmm. patients yep. and interact with them? Like, do you feel the yeah. need to be the captain of the healthcare ship. Yes. Because that's that's the big reason to be the MD or the DO is that you yeah. want to be in charge, but you're absolutely right. There's so many other ways to mm-hmm. fulfill that desire. Yeah. And I think if you do want to be in charge and you do want to do it, and if you have done like that work and figured out, yeah, that the doctor or the physician is the one I want to be, then I think it makes going through med school yeah. way better. Again, I, you're, I you're building up that story. You're building yeah. up that story like why MD? Yeah. Yeah. And you're also eliminating possibilities, maybe, yeah. that you would also be happy with. It also yeah. shows dedication, because I did the exact same thing that Emma did, was I shadowed NPs, PAs, physical therapists, because I really liked physical therapy after my own injury, too. So it really helped me, I think, in my interviews, because you get the question, like, why MD? Why do you want to be a doctor? Why do you want to be a doctor? And it's like, you can say like some of these little experiences, but you don't truly get it until you're in medical school, like having these experiences. So my why is like so much richer and deeper than when I was applying. Mm -hmm. But I think I was able to convince medical schools that I was committed to the path by saying, hey, look, I've thought about all my options. Like, I had my story about why healthcare, and then I had my story about why specifically MD. Yeah, I remember feeling super yeah. annoyed, like when I was a pre-med and going through like interviews and stuff. I was like, I have to prove to everyone. Like, I just felt like it was a super high bar for like proving that I wanted to do something, and it just like felt really annoying and weird to me. But now looking back on it and it, like having conversations with classmates who like regret going through all of this, and I'm like. Mm. I absolutely love what I'm going to be doing with my life. I like think about like how much I miss patients every single day during my time off right now. But this has been a hard like four years, you know, and if I didn't have that, like just absolute like sense of purpose and like passion for what I'm doing, I don't know how I would have gotten through that. And so I just really feel for some of my classmates who I've talked to who don't have that. And That's really great. Yeah. Be- I mean, what you just said is really great because, yeah, we all, I-, I think it's tempting to look at this as at the shadowing thing and just getting experience and trying to figure out, like, I think we're, the tendency is to think of that this as a hoop that you have to jump through. And yeah, it's a hoop, but it's a kind of an important hoop. Yeah. yeah. You know, it does something for you. It is an investment in you mm-hmm. and your future. Because you definitely don't want to get here and be like, oh, shit, I just spent three years and, you know, $250,000 figuring out that I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a big oops. Yeah. 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 What I was missing from the listener question was usually when people write in, they'll say like, oh, I had such and such experience and I, you know, I got interested in medicine. I didn't hear that in their question. But that would be, you know, a nice thing to explore. Whatever it was that provoked them to be interested mm-hmm. in medicine is like hone in on that. You know, yeah. Was it a patient experience? Where did that come from? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. What's your origin story? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I think you should come up with like a vaguely superhero origin story. Are you saying we're not? I mean, I'm just saying like you know I got bit by a by a nurse. I got I got bit by a doctor and it made me want to become a doctor. I got bit by a patient. Radioactive. <laughs> radioactive patient. I kind of wish I could go back and watch myself interviewing for med school, but it would be like also very cringy. But it'd be interesting to see like how many times skills. How many times in med school have you guys seen yourself on video? Oh, I never. Okay, just oh, we did those this, patient I never once watched yeah. those videos of myself. Why not? I had no desire to see that. I would watch it on two two speed and like kind of like squint my eyes so I wouldn't have to really like hear or see myself. Try this. Pretend I would just like someone take. Else. N- yeah, I yeah. would do it, but I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> try try this. This is what my son used to do when he he went through this phase when he was uh, little, where he didn't like intense movies or television. And I remember in particular, it was like Elmo in Grouchland. Terrified him for some reason. <laughs> And so what he would do is he would stand at an extremely oblique angle to the television as though as though to reduce the amount of He's light like, hitting um, his, his eyes. Sensitization training. Yeah. <laughs> it was super cute. Exposure therapy. Yeah, like, I'm going to watch this, but I'm going to watch it so distorted that it's not going to bother me. Just you can do that. You can do that when you watch the these. The sound videos. of my voice, though. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like... You should be given an option to over to have your voice overdubbed yeah. <laughs> or yeah. subtitled. Yeah, I can read so it. like Abby's face, but with Morgan Freeman's voice. Oh yeah, <laughs> I could get behind behind that. What 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 female what female actress or actor would you like to have voice you in your in Emma your videos? Watson. That's really a hard. Uh, <laughs> no question that. I actually would just like to become either Hermione Granger or Emma Watson, okay. I'd be very content with her. Okay. <laughs> uh, what's that, the one, she was on SNL and she was always Elizabeth Warren on SNL? Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. I oh, really God. love her. God, she's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Anybody with a British accent. I, I agree with. All right. I'm going to I'm going to suggest this to the uh, powers that be. Yeah, can we can we hire Zoe we, Chanel? Can we? <laughs> Do, is that in our budget? I don't see why that would be a problem. Yeah. Not it's a an problem. Investment really. Come on. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're helping our students succeed. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. By pretending that they are not who they are. <laughs> <laughs> Well, obviously they don't watch their videos if they have to watch themselves. So if it's someone else, then yeah. they might do it. Yeah. yeah. Make it fun yeah. for us having to sit through that. Yeah, well, look, a, artificial intelligence is coming a long way. This is It's only a matter of time before we'll be able to just like, you'll just be able to select the the image and the voice for you during your encounter videos. Oh, they should yes. deep fake. Yes. <laughs> deep fake. Yes. Let's do it. Man, Zoe Deschanel really blew that history. It was yeah. terrible. <laughs> Not me. I'm great, but Zoe Deschanel really stuck at that. Yeah. Absolutely. Another one of my another one of my good ideas. Mm-hmm. All right, say this. You have to go back and do it again. Say the following I right nightmares now. Nightmares that I end up like back in high school where I like they find out like I didn't meet a requirement of high school, so I have to like go back and I'm like in high school biology class. And, that doesn't like, end, by the way. I, I feel like this bad dream does not go away. All right. Well, that's really too sorry. Bad. I know. It's just gonna like hopefully at some point like. My ba- it's instead of high school, like maybe it'll be college, and then like when I'm in, oh, attending, sure. it'll be like I'm in med school. I would almost <laughs> rather just be high school because then you're just like, well, that's just like implausible. But if I start having nightmares about med school, which I already do, but I probably will continue to have, <laughs> like that just sounds more terrorizing than having dreams about but like, high school, though. Blah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, high school is hard in a different way, I guess. There wasn't even air conditioning in high school. The oh, bathrooms didn't lock. The literally, n- there were two were stalls in the whole high school <laughs> that locked. I think Abby went to high school in the 1850s. <laughs> <laughs> that was not, that was fortunately not my high school no. experience. I like brought it up to this, not this, I don't know, some like faculty advisory board. I was like, they're talking about like all these like massive improvements and, and I was like, okay, like these are good things, but like 
is there any way we could get locking bathroom stalls? <laughs> <laughs> and they told me, they're like, we didn't have any idea that the stalls didn't lock. And they told me, like, we'll have someone put locks on them next week. They did not. They did not. <laughs> Turned out it wasn't in the so budget. This, this so. Covers, so this is going to make me sound like a super, like, sheltered Iowa girl. So you know the show Zoe 101? No. Oh, yeah. That was okay, so a long time it's about, has. like, some high school in, like, some very, like, beach town in California, and Britney Spears's <laughs> younger sister, like, played the lead in it. I loved that show when I was growing it's up. It's like a Disney Channel-esque kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, right. I think it might it have been on Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Yeah, it was on Nickelodeon. Like yeah. Anyways, it was, like, it was just a very fun show, because it's basically, like, 15-year-olds, but, like, they're in college because they live in dorms because it's kind of like a boarding school just on the beach and anyways it's very like glamorized kind of but any i like met it's not that i'd never met anyone who like was from california but i met the first person who like went to high school in california and in southern california when i was in college and i was like wait Did your high school have hallways that were like out, outdoors, like, like lockers that were outdoors? And they're like, yeah, like why wouldn't they be? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wait, like Zoe one hundred and one, and she's like, <laughs> every, she's like, I guess every every teen high school California setting program because the weather's had the out, right? Yeah, had the outdoor. They're they're mm-hmm. all set in like Torrance, California. Yeah. yeah. Um, like it's not as common in like Northern California, yeah. but like in Southern California, it makes sense. Why have this huge building that you have to heat and cool? But I'm just like that. Just very jealous because of Zoe 101. I thought that was the most glamorous thing ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Iowa, you cannot do that because it, it's like a high of what five degrees today. Yeah, <laughs> it felt like like paradise to me watching those kinds of things. We're all we're all going through a period, listeners, right now. Where it's like, like the wind chill was minus twenty seven. Yeah, the the, the high yeah. in like the like this like forty hour period we're in. The high was three degrees. Yeah, the oh high. Gosh. None of us high. are none of us are happy except for Emma, who is in Washington yeah. State. Yeah, Emma just... I'm in a balmy forty five. Yeah, it's like uh, tomorrow the high is going to be thirty five, and it's going to be feel so warm. What? The weather is just like oscillating violently right now. Thanks climate change. So exciting. Yeah, that's, so okay. that's what climate change I think is going to mean for most people. There's no balance anymore. There's no like no expectation. You lose all of spring and all of fall, and yeah. it just oscillates between zero and forty, and then forty yeah. and ninety, and like there's just there's no the weather and natural we, we disasters every month rather than every few years. No, sure, why, sure. why did yeah. we just come to Iowa? Tornadoes <laughs> a month ago. Come to Iowa, prospective students. I wanted to make sure to thank Abby, our listener. You can thank me too. I thank you always. All seriousness, thanks, listener. Thanks for calling in. If you want to call and leave us a message, we've got a phone number for that. It's 347 short CT. Listeners, if you ask us a question, it means that I don't have to make something up to talk about on the show. And the show becomes what you want it to be. So send your questions to the shortcodes at gmail.com or leave a message at 347 short CT. We'll talk about it on the show. Hey, you guys want to do something? Let's record an outgoing message together because I, re- I, I I was listening to the message yesterday something made me listen to the outgoing message and realized it was a couple of okay. years old is this, the, this is a really dumb question is outgoing message like the voicemail message the one where yeah the, the outgoing message that you hear when you call a, when you leave a voicemail okay so here's my idea we'll say our first names and then we'll I'll start we'll say our first names then we'll each say one word of a message expressing our joy for getting a call that's the theme Okay. One word. One word only. Are we planning this out? No. So can I squeal? So I'm just supposed to say a word that expresses joy. No, no, no. So we're gonna tell a story. Uh, We're basically uh, gonna gonna we're gonna not a story, but we're gonna create an utterance. Oh, it's gonna be in a chain. Oh, okay. I got it. Like that, like acting thing. Yes. People do. Improv game. Yeah. So I will start. Uh, Ready? Hi. Thanks for calling the Shortcoat Podcast Listener Line. This is Dave. And Aline. It's Madeline, Abby, and Emma, and we are so full of shit. (laughs) Please leave a detailed bouquet of 
words. <laughs> and <laughs> will what? probably maybe cry, but at sunset. <laughs> I lost the chain of thought. <laughs> but at sunset. Because Abby said we would cry. <laughs> but at sunset. Thank. What did he say? Thank. Thanks. But at sunset, thanks. Okay. Thanks for. Everything. This is. That's, this that's is it. That's I feel like that's where it's ending. I thought that was a period. That's why I said thanks. <laughs> That's the whole fun. Now, yeah. now I have the job of cutting this together into a, <laughs> into a ridiculous message. But thank you, thank you. That's Are you actually going to use that? Of course I am. That would be really cool. Yeah. Did what? You, did you watch the Harry Potter thing this reunion? Past? Yes, of course you did. I did, and it was what? great. Is it? Is okay. It so worth? speaking of not required assignments, there was it was really funny that I guess one of the directors when the, when they became like middle schoolers decided to give them homework and told them to like write an essay in their character's voice. It's my favorite part of this whole show, by the way. And Emma Watson wrote, like, a 14-page essay (laughs) explaining Hermione Granger. And then... Rupert Grint. Rupert Grint, who plays Ron Weasley, just didn't do the assignment. (laughs) Totally totally in character. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Daniel Radcliffe just, you know, wrote something Harry Potter-esque. Is it it worth... Oh, sorry. Is it worth subscribing to HBO Max for I, well, I don't know. It's only $10. Like, oh, so good. For, $10 for a whole month? Yeah. It's, so Madeline's answer is yes. There's no free trial, which kind of irked me, but I I did the whole Harry Potter marathon from Christmas Eve to, or New Year's Eve to New Year's Day. So I'd read, so I've like watched all eight movies in the past 24 hours, and then we ended it by watching the HBO reunion it was so good i'm gonna say if you're not hardcore i'm pretty hardcore though yeah maybe not but okay it was it was actually well done it was very pleasant like it was i cried during it there's also (laughs) the pottery version of great british bake-off on hbo max and for all our listeners i do pottery so she's like oh "Oh, yeah so then the ten dollars would be worth it show yeah Okay. And like, do you have any rotations right now? I'm doing research. I take so this, definitely this a good time to do personal. it. <laughs> I take this personally what you all are saying. <laughs> Sorry. I know poor Aline's okay. about to go. Someone, someone's gotta love it. Aline actually does research. When an M4 tells you they're on research. <laughs> Like a glorified It's not quite the same. Yeah, it's Aline, you're you're facing down clinical the beginning of your clinical rotations after forty five years of <laughs> being an MD PhD or a like, PhD you're student. Sixty five year old. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So I'm putting the final touches on my first author manuscript, yeah, which wow. is my key to the jail cell that I'm in, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to hand that in, and then they'll release me. But no, no, it's been a cool. It's been a really cool experience, and and I thought that the end would be different in a lot of ways. And but universally, I think everyone feels like it's very anticlimactic. You know, you spend all this time gathering this data, and then you sit down to write it, and uh, it feels a lot less triumphant. You realize it's garbage. No, no, like like I feel like I've said this so many times, but I. I thought that at the end of my PhD, I'd be on a mountain and just looking at just a sea of great data, and I I wouldn't even know what to put in my thesis because it was all so great. And really what it is is I'm standing in the midst of piles of fire and trying to pick a little, like, this little ash from this pile, you know, might go with this ash, and then trying to write a paper from that. And uh, that's science. So, right. uh, but yeah, so I, I I talked to my boss about it, and usually you submit your thesis and then you defend and then you go back to clinic. But I was like, I'm going back to clinic, and I this is not going to end until I put a firm boundary in place that I'm going back to clinic in January. Yeah, and, and that was the thing I think that it took to motivate all of us. Deadlines to, are helpful. Yeah, totally, totally. My paper is like literally just like 
I'm still waiting for people to email me. Oh my, you had that weird situation. <laughs> yeah, I know, I had this crazy dramatic paper situation. Now I'm just waiting for people to email and every few weeks I send a reminder like, hey, I exist, please, 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 please. Remember me. And they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, my story though about data in college, I spent like three and a half years researching the kinetics of this like OCHEM reaction and uh, and I wrote like a th- senior honors thesis on it. And okay, the the entirety of what I learned was that this reaction was completely useless for us and it was a waste of three years. Like <laughs> legitimately, like... That's science, no, baby. Like the, the PI has like shut down all the... Re- like he thought I was going to be like starting something. I just did research to figure out like that is not the path that anyone wants to go down. So my senior thesis is basically like this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work. And my second reader was like, you really did a really great job and accomplished a lot. You need to sound a little less depressed in this manuscript. <laughs> Think about what you got like. So good research, like yeah, somebody else. I know it, it is, and it was helpful, but it kind of sucks because it is like you, nobody's publishing a paper on this, you know. And so I think that was kind of I was promised a paper. Little freshman Abby was so excited. <laughs> well, a, a, a manuscript, a, like a, a thesis, counts as a publication. I'm pretty sure. Wait, does it? Can yeah. I go back on my ERAS and, and? Well, did you present it or do a poster or anything? I mean, I presented it at my college to the chemistry I mean, department, my site. parents, and a few very loyal friends. <laughs> my parents. Yeah. <laughs> very loyal very, Only the most loyal of my friends showed up to this, which I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that... People, I'd say that counts. I was going to say, I read papers sometimes where people cite, you know, their own... Uh, theses, you know. Hey, I'm like so mad I didn't put this on my ERAS. This is why, I mean, yeah. Abby, this is why uh, med student research day exists. I mean, I, I don't yeah. think it's because the med students are doing, the, the, the pre-M ones are doing cutting edge research that they need to present no, to, you know, I mean, it's it's because, you know, it's an opportunity <laughs> yeah. to present and publish and, and put it on your ERAS. And put it on your ERAS. <laughs> I mean, my yeah. goodness, I am just so mad. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with this other situation. Oh, yeah. I, I have this, for the background for all, I have this, like, paper that has, like, drawn out way too long, and my PI keeps, like, I had, like, a three-page thing, and then he told me to make it a one-page thing, and then I spent months making it a one-page thing, and then he's like, oh, we could make it longer, and I was like, <laughs> literally every moment I have spent working on this in the past, like, I combed through this paper at least six times, just, like, cutting out any word that wasn't... Can we sum it up in one word? I okay, know. well, let's let's make it a sentence. Have you ever played Fishbowl? No. Yes, that's my favorite game ever. I love Fishbowl. So like, this is just reminding me of, like... So you have... It's basically yeah. like charades and catchphrase combined, and you use the same words for every round. We should play it. Yeah, let's play it. This might, just, okay, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. The next whoa, whoa, whoa. time I'm on, you can't play it without me. Is this... this is, and me. <laughs> this is similar to a game... This sounds similar to a game that that me and my friends feel like we made up. Oh, and it's and we called three times dope. Three times dope. So is it like first it's catchphrase? So if the word is rainbow fish, I would be like, oh, so this is a animal that lives in the sea that has a lot of colors. Right. Yeah. First round, you can say whatever you want except for the words. And then for the second round, which the podcast listeners won't be able to appreciate, but I'd probably do this. Okay. (laughs) She's making a. No, no, no. Fish. In three times dope, it's the first round is uh, you say whatever you want except for the words on the paper or mm-hmm. any part uh-huh. of those words. Okay. Second round, you can only say two words. And oh, the third round, right. it's charades, essentially. Oh, oh, so we so what we do is we do second round charades. Third round is just one word. Ah. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And then, and then I've then, also added extra ones where you act it out underneath Under a sheet. sheet. Yes. Then, Ghost round. You, uh, you also can act it out with your tongue. We did. Oh. <laughs> or act it out with your feet. The extra round we did um, in college, one sound. Yeah. So you'd yeah, have to like try and figure out how to make a rainbow fish sound, but like, it, it usually boop, just. Boop. I, I mean, you know, the, the the situation that you would in three times dope, the situation you would find yourself in is if your your defining thing that you were saying about somebody was a man or a woman, you would end up doing, you know, you would end up making very obscene gestures in the in the last round. <laughs> 
Anyway, yes, I, I, all these games sound like wonderful variants of each other, and they're. Mm-hmm. I we will we might have to do it anyway. When you're talking about your paper, it's just like shrinking it down to <laughs> yeah. one word. Yeah, no, it's been an Fish adventure. I need to I need to send another email. I'm gonna do it next week. I everybody. can't believe that's still going it's on. It's still you going on. I mean, I think five time. years from now, it's still gonna be going on. I'm gonna be like done with residency, like midway through fellowship, yeah. and being like, "Gosh damn it, I am publishing this paper." <laughs> She'll be emeritus faculty someday. Right. <laughs> I am going to get this done if I die trying. There's There's nothing that anyone in any journal wants. We'll put it on the Shortcoat Podcast website. Yeah. Shortcoat.com slash Abby's Shitty Project. Wait, what's... (laughs) We can put my senior in the literature journal that we have. (laughs) Yes, the the examined life is just also going to become like Abby's publication corner. Aline, we've spoken on past episodes about students who see a need in their school and offer to fill it. Uh, Maybe there's a blind spot in the curriculum or a service that students can perform in the community that might help things. It's basically, you know, if you see a need and do the actual work to fill it, that can be rewarding. A service to future students, a service to your school and look great on a on a resume and you are on a CV and you did exactly that this past fall with an elective course for med students on sexual violence that you designed and were course director for. And I hear it was a big success. So congratulations. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank That's you. awesome. I wanted to talk about it and sort of, I don't know. I want to, okay. So <laughs> what need were you addressing in this course? So, it's a it's a really complicated issue and it, it got on my radar because you know Iowa City is a you know University of Iowa is a Big Ten school there's a strong party culture and you know it, it doesn't take very long of volunteering around the city to hear some very sad stories about people waking up in a place they don't remember going or waking up naked or you know having even more gruesome stories than that. But, you know, if I'm being honest, but a big reason that I needed to create the class is because of the way I heard other students talk about rape victims. It was really unenlightened and kind of disturbing. And I was interested in the issue, and I, I mainly just started reading to educate myself. But as I started looking into it, I was like, oh, this could be a, like, I basically I'm going to schedule these lectures, and if no one else shows up, it'll be like private lessons for me. And, but you know, it turns out other people were interested. And yeah, they they don't. Just to be clear, they don't let you just schedule some lectures. I mean, no, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're gonna go. We're gonna get. <laughs> Lee's like, I'm gonna go to the big auditorium that. and just hold a lecture. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It was uh, it was a cool process, you know, figuring out how to make a class and then how to recruit instructors and how to get it approved by the school. And I had a lot of support. Which was awesome. Well, I was going to ask about that. What was the what was the sort of progression between idea and course? Yeah. So so the the main theme was like how what role can physicians play in facilitating access to support and care for people with these very specific types of trauma? And so I started looking around online to see like what what are the main organizations that inform the public about this and what are their recommendations for proficiencies that healthcare providers should have and i started kind of making a list of like every time i would come across a lecture i would write down the learning objective of like yes should be competent at performing a forensic exam which is a little advanced for a med student but what it ended up being you know for our class is we had had a sexual assault nurse examiner the johnson county sart coordinator katie rasmussen who's praises I cannot sing enough. Um, she came and gave a lecture to talk about the forensic exam and what transpires during it and what evidence you're collecting and, and what technology you use to collect evidence. So, this is a thing that's often done in emergency rooms. Yeah. Uh, if it's done anywhere, right? Is that right? similar to, yeah. I've also heard it called like a sane nurse? Yep, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sexual okay. assault nurse examiner is a sane nurse. A sane nurse. Okay. They're also sometimes called a sexual assault forensic examiners. So sanes or, so yeah. So, you know, actually the big turning point was the shutdown. Because I, I started thinking about this in the spring of 2020. And when the lab shut down and we had to stay home for three months, I was like, well, I suddenly have a lot of free time on my hands. Mm. 
and I started looking into this and uh, basically making a list of competencies that a med student or like a, a resident, maybe not a practicing physician, some of those were pretty advanced, but like what role can a med student play to enhance the care of a person with a history of sexual trauma? And I talked to a lot of people, I talked to a lot of advocates, a lot of clinical faculty, a lot of different community experts to, to try and personalize it to Iowa, because Iowa has some very specific issues around sexual violence. And Including really, things like trafficking. Huge trap. People don't realize, you know, Iowa's a really nice place, but it's a big hub for labor trafficking and sex trafficking, unfortunately. And I've, for anyone who's not familiar with that, that literally means buying someone for sex or buying someone for labor and i was huge for agriculture so we constantly need labor in our state so that's an opportunity to exploit vulnerable people but yeah what was it like working as a course director oh i got so much more respect than i was expecting and and like a it, lot of it, before you do i want you so listeners if you're not in med school yet yeah. Maybe you're not familiar with the role of a course director. I mean, it kind of makes sense that a course director directs the course. I mean, you mm-hmm. kind of get an idea of what that's all about. Yeah. But perhaps unlike your undergraduate experience in medical school, you are wrangling a bunch of people <laughs> to help deliver your course. I mean, that's a yeah. lot of the effort, isn't it? There's not just like one person giving all the lectures. Right. It's not just you standing school. up and giving the lecture. It's So the director is like the administrator role. Yeah. Creator, leader, right. of course. Yeah. Did you so so was that your experience in this as well a little bit? You know, I have to say it was not as hard I think as it is for some of the, you know, core curriculum classes cuz everyone that I recruited to teach for my class was super enthused and like mm-hmm. very excited to be a part of it. A very clear mission. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them when I first approached them with the idea were like, "Oh, I wish this was a thing when I was a student. I had to learn it when I was a practicing doctor and it was really hard to find the resources. I would love to like I know exactly what should go in this section of the mm-hmm. class." And it kind of broke down into like three major units of like first kind of giving people the correct information about sexual violence. There's a lot of myths and a lot of misconceptions out there, but preparing people with the right foundation of, hey, it's super common, it doesn't look the way you think that it does, and victims and perps don't, anyone can be a victim and a perp, literally, anyone. So that was unit one, and then unit two was like, what are the signs and symptoms? What are the, you know, what are the warning indicators before someone's actually disclosed to you that they have, you know, a history? What are some physical injuries maybe you should be on the lookout for or like certain behaviors that might sensitize you to maybe start asking those types of questions. And then unit three was like, okay, now you know that they have a history of sexual trauma. Here are all the healthcare issues that they have and what you can do about it. I didn't find it all that hard to, because they didn't have to be doing this. Like they were doing it purely out of the goodness of their heart. Right, so again, if you're not familiar with how this works, usually, you know, the course director has to basically beg, borrow and steal people from <laughs> yeah. from either clinical or or basic science departments. Yeah. And, you know, those people are sort of obligated to do things in the curriculum. Perhaps they may not be content experts in in what they're lecturing on. Yeah. They know some things about yeah. it. And, and but, you know, they're, they're sort of obligated to participate in the curriculum where their interest may lie in, you know, bench research or their clinical activities, but not necessarily in teaching. And so it's it's very much a, a different situation. They're, they're basically there because they have to be there. It's, like, it's basically a hoop that they have to jump through for some of yeah. those people. Lots of people really enjoy teaching. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Like, I think when you work at an academic institution or like in your contract, it's like you have to do so many right. teaching hours. Right. So. And if everybody's reached their limit, you know, nobody's going to, I don't know, it's possible that some people are even like, well, I did my part. You got to find somebody else and then nobody else. Shortcoats, if you're enjoying our conversation today, I'd be grateful if you'd let people know by posting a story on Instagram or Facebook or tweeting about us. And don't forget to tag us in your post. Thank you. I have a couple of questions. So was this like an elective, like voluntary for students? Yeah. 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 So we made it. It was one and a half hour of lecture per week 
once a week for 16 weeks okay. so the whole oh, semester wow okay yeah cool. wow yeah it was quite so a project. is it kind of like the like ethics courses that you can take yeah like in preclinical and whatnot but yeah, i'm yeah. assuming yeah. it was probably yeah it was like an elective like that was i think yeah, yeah yeah i think we have something at iowa that's we have a couple of ethics classes, but yeah, like mm-hmm. basically like a, a weekly seminar kind yeah. of. Mm-hmm. And I made the requirements stupidly easy to meet. Like basically yeah. they, they got credit just for showing up mm-hmm. because I didn't want them to worry about like, and cause it was mostly M2s and then there was one M4 and then one PA student. I didn't want them to worry about anything. I just wanted to come and be exposed to the information. And, and no one was expected to walk out of this class knowing exactly how to talk to a rape victim or how to screen you know, for sexual trauma or how to like address pelvic pain. But my hope is that they'd be exposed and then be like, oh, I should talk to this provider more because I'm really interested in this subject. Mm-hmm. And then kind of let that be a branch point. So. Did you by chance record the lectures? <laughs> they sound super helpful. You know, I didn't because some of the content was so sensitive, yeah. but I really wish that I had just for my own pride to be able to look back on that. I didn't. I didn't. But I can, I tell you what, I can, if you're interested, I'm making an assumption, but I can send you the syllabus. Yeah. And then if <laughs> you just, I'm really happy to hear that. I can send you the syllabus. And then if there's a lecture or all of them that you're interested in, I can send you the, the lecture mm-hmm. presentations. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. 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 I'm, extraordinarily proud uh, you should be yeah of it. this yeah, is a definitely. this is a terrific topic and again it's a hole that we mm-hmm. yeah you know didn't really have any content um to give i like the fact that you made the requirements stupidly simple as you said <laughs> if only because you know you want people to like an elective is tough because even if you think something is important there's not a lot of time there was so much we couldn't include so many things i had to cut out and, and like you said, like what we have to do as our basic requirements here is so much that like even even one hour per week is a lot to ask of a med student. Would you want to do this again to design a course from scratch? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I it was very satisfying work. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. And, you know, to, but there's a like there's a lot of reasons I feel that way. A lot of the people I had to work with through like on this project were absolute delights i i loved working with them some of them are for sure going to be lifelong mentors there were there were a lot of like fringe benefits a lot of silver line and silver linings implies that the thing was bad and then there was a good outcome but like things you did anticipate being helpful yeah yeah, or, yeah. or important yeah i think um it put me on the radar of a lot of people on this campus that didn't know my name, didn't know anything about me, but were like, but when my name became associated with this important social issue, people started getting in touch with me kind of out of nowhere to be like, hey, I heard you work on this. And I was like, yeah, what do you, you know, I'll, I'll collaborate with anyone on anything having to do with sexual violence. And so again, I, I didn't do it for the, yeah professional benefits i did it just kind of for my own learning but it was it was cool i would definitely do it again well talk about a great way to learn something is designing an entire course about about that thing it was cool it was fun so i think you've talked about the most enjoyable parts of doing this what was the least enjoyable for you there wasn't one okay there was there's there's no part of this project i didn't like or the experience that i didn't enjoy cool Actually, one thing. I knew it. Um, <laughs> I, I knew that that was bullshit. I wish every human activity. <laughs> Come on. So one thing that I had by the end of the class was like a lot more empathy for course directors trying to get evals. Like I, because like <laughs> students were having such a great reaction and they'd come up to me and kind of informally after class tell me and, and Jill Andrews, the course director, like, hey, this was really great. Thank you so much for organizing. I'm like, turn in your evaluation form. Like, please. For, you know, formally submit your positive comments because the only piece of feedback I got from the med school when I submitted this for approval was, hey, keep track of what students are responding to positively and then we can talk about incorporating that into the core curriculum. So important. Yeah, like they were really open to it. And so it's, was, it's really hard to see, like as a med student, I'm sure it's really hard to see like why you were filling out all of these mm-hmm. freaking oh, evaluations. So you you don't even know. I don't know if this is a feature of every med school. Yeah. 
or just of the Carver College of Medicine, there are evaluations after every single exam. Every single lecture. Every single lecture. Every single lecture. I mean, they're not around. Yeah, I honestly think they just like burned me out the first two years. And now it's like less evaluations that I have to do. But I still just like I was getting an email every week from Dean Cooper about the M4 survey thing. Did you guys get that? No, you were getting that from Matt Edwards. Or Matt Edwards. Matt Edwards. I was always getting a survey right away, and then I stopped getting. Well, I don't know. Anyways, there's whatever whoever it was coming from. I like the reason why I was procrastinating it is because I actually did want to do it. So Mm -hmm. like, because I could have easily just like checked all of the same boxes for everything and then said na 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 you know and i really did yeah Yeah. i really did want to like take some time with some of these questions because i realized that like our med school does actually change things sometimes in response to feedback so it's just like and it's only in response to meaningful feedback, like not like mm-hmm. ragey feedback or no yes. feedback. So yeah. anyways, I wanted to take the time to do it. And so I just procrastinated for a really long time. I finally did it this yeah. week. Good I job. Just, I feel like in the didactic years, though, they need to do less evals because like if, if I have to evaluate every single lecture I have and like you're having on average like five lectures a day for however many days a semester is like and you already like you're taking exam you're just doing so much that you just can't do that amount of feedback meaningfully it is just not it's it's hard yeah not something that anyone has like the brain space for yeah and so i would like generally like if i had meaningful feedback on a lecture i would like do that eval first and give it and then every other lecture was like straight fours and no comment like in the yeah and you have to type something in the comment box here's another idea if this is the future of medical education ready Everybody sits down in their seats, whether you're at home or you're in the, the, the lecture hall, and you know you got electrodes wired up to your body. <laughs> I knew and you they were just, going in this And car. they just monitor, they just monitor your biophysical yeah. response, biofeedback, biofeedback yeah. response to the lecturers, and you know then you, then they get money based on. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be our future. I don't how positive? Design that. Yeah. The, yeah, Another the, good idea plug from into Dave. Your Fitbit. Like yeah. right now, I'm wearing an Apple Watch, and they're talking yeah. about being able to like measure your glucose levels from yeah. like an Apple yeah. Watch. So yeah. I really want a watch that measures my heart rate and nothing else. I do not want to know how many steps I take in a day, how many <laughs> calories I burn. Yeah. I just want to know what my resting heart rate is, and I just like don't know that that exists. But how will they know? How how will the med student med school know whether your heart is accelerating because your your heart rate is accelerating because you're really into the material or whether you're being enraged mm-hmm. by my, uh, the the slides that are not properly I annotated. This, uh, step one, step time two. My so resting was like in the upper nineties, and I was like, oh no, am I oh really out of God. shape or I'm just in a constant state of pain? Another great study idea. <laughs> Another great study idea. The 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 biofeedback you can get from your fitness monitors as a function of time progressed through med school and see if that it's been like pretty good recently <laughs> the m4s are all like boom boom i was like really really boom, n- nervous boom, excited boom. for something good that was happening like my dad was getting this award and it was a big surprise and my heart was racing and i like looked at my watch and it was 142 that'll throw off the, that'll throw yeah. off the curve a little I was like, to, oh my gosh have to do a seven day like, average um, like white coat tachycardia like real <laughs> bad like i like i'll be in the hospital like doctoring and then like go and have to go to an appointment i just like feel my heart rate just like accelerate and i go in i like it's always like 150 when they're taking my vitals it is ridiculous i'm having a very strong physiological response to being a patient you hate going to the doctor so you're becoming one i hate going so much i had to go to the dermatologist yesterday and i was like so anxious for it the whole day until i just got it done I want to get this over with. I, I avoid this problem by being an extremely non-compliant patient. <laughs> I'm kind of a non. You know, the only thing I don't like is when they start quizzing you and you're like, hey, I'm not at work right now. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm here. I was I'm in not a, studying. Okay, I was in an yeah, ENT yeah. appointment for, like, my allergies and deviated septum. And the physician surgeon was, like, doing a neuro exam on me. And he was like, 
what cranial nerve is this? What cranial? He was he quizzed me on all my cranial nerves. And Madeline nerves. poked him in the eye. <laughs> what like, cranial well, nerve is that? <laughs> I got them all right though, but I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, I am a patient right now." Exactly. <laughs> Someone did this to me in the ER. Actually, I went in with like this really weird arm pain, and I think it just turned out to be like it was just tendonitis. But she was like, "So, what do you think it might be?" And I'm like, "I'm not paying you to take care of myself right now." <laughs> See, I I don't mind the. Qu- I mean, I'd rather them not like pimp me when I'm a patient, but I would infinitely take that over them dismissing my thoughts on sure, 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 sure. And yeah. I get that way more often. Oh, I literally scary. I literally go in and as I like give a soap presentation about myself <laughs> and they're like <laughs> just but they some patient is a twenty seven like, year old me. <laughs> yeah. I ha- I know someone who had like a surgery done and the doctor asked him what he wanted prescribed for pain like afterwards. Oh, okay. Which is like I don't think that's how that's supposed to work, but hey. it, it's like okay, like what what do you think you would manage your pain? Like sure, but it was more just like, eh, you're a med student. Like, what do you want? Like, do you want yeah. you know just go home and get some ibuprofen? Do you want me to prescribe like some stronger stuff? Like, yeah. but I mean, what do you I think, think there is like real like value in like more so in patients who are like more like have chronic things about like they know which opioid. They tolerate. This was not that situation. Yeah. That was that's kind of different. But it is like I I, so want, I think I will have some fentanyl. Yeah. Please. No, I want, but I want to be asked what I want and what I think because I generally have so much more knowledge about what's going on than they do. Fair. As far as like yeah. this is my body, and I just usually find that rather than being like if they're quizzing me, they care about my opinion. Whereas if they're the opposite, is just so much worse for me that I have to like try and like prove to them that I actually have something wrong with me. Yeah. Which I hate. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why my heart rate goes to like 150 because I'm like prepared to fight every time I go. <laughs> I know this is not directly related to what we're talking about, but yeah, as as I'm transitioning back into med school, I'm, I'm reflecting a lot on my grad school experience. And there's so many times where my I would say something and then my boss would say the exact same thing and the people in the room would be like, oh, great point. That's excellent, oh, excellent yeah. idea. And I'd be like, did you uh, not hear me? That's I'm, like the I'm says something here. funny, someone says it louder, everyone yeah. laughs. Okay, one time yeah. I suggested to a fellow that we use like a topical NSAID for this patient because they couldn't do oral NSAIDs but they desperately needed an NSAID for their phlebitis, their blood vessel inflammation. He's like, oh, that's an excellent idea. Like, so excited. He tells the staff that it was his idea. And I was like, you didn't even know that topical NSAIDs existed. (laughs) He asked me, like, I had to put the order in for him. Like, he didn't know how to order it. And Did then he they, like talk to you about it afterwards? No, no. And then the staff is like, t- we're t- like all three of us are in with the patient, and the staff credits the fellow. And Aww. I was like, this was Abby's idea. Yeah, this was Abby, the M two, who is not going into surgery. That, cured you. Sometimes yeah. you just gotta, you yeah. just, just gotta swallow that. Jeez. I know you have to, you have to, for the sake of your uh, evals. <laughs> yeah, like, I was gonna say. I mean, it's like absolutely not. I know. What, Shut what, what your hole. Happened if I would have in that patient room and like actually that was my idea, not his. Yeah. <laughs> the no, world no may have ended at that moment. I wonder if anyone has ever done that. I'm sure. Yeah. We we don't know because they died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't know because they just the disintegrated immediately. They were dismissed from medical smited. That's right. Yeah. yeah died but I've also extreme, but. I've also had it happen like the other way. Like the attending will be pimping me and the other med students, and then like the intern will whisper the answer, and then I've said it, and so then in that oh. situation, am I supposed to be like, oh no, it was the intern. Or do I take credit for it? Uh, I think so if the intern whispered rather than said it out loud. Then I should take then it. Then you can take your cut yeah. That's kind of nice, a little yeah. pat on the back. Yeah, I know. I, I, I kind of want to be that kind of resident yeah. that, like, you know, gives answers. I yeah, like I probably yeah. had it happen opposite more often yeah. than the other way, where, like, the residents yeah. are just, like, whispering things to you. Yeah. Like, I don't think a resident's ever whispered a pimp answer to me. Oh. Really? Well, maybe not smart. a pimp one, but just, like... <laughs> Tells me the exact perfect plan and then says, "Go tell the attending that," oh. and then and also take credit for it. I did one time, like in a procedure, like had a resident 
pimp me and then I was pimped by the attending like on the exact same question two days later yeah. and got it right yeah. and he it's like I've never had a med student answer that right before and I did not <laughs> tell him that the only reason I got it right was that <laughs> I've been in that situation too <laughs> that was that was like one of the highs of my med school career. well this just proves yeah. that you're all you're you're all suffering under the same system that yeah. and you know sometimes you just got to help each other out and yeah well look that's our show Emma, Madeline, Abby, Aline, thanks for being on the show with me today. Thank You're you welcome. so much, Dave. <laughs> and what kind of variant of concern would I be if I didn't thank you, Shortcoats, for making us a part of your week? If you're new here and you like what you heard today, follow the show wherever fine podcasts are available, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube when I remember to click the button that records the video. Our editors are AJ Chowdhury and Eric Bozart. The show is made possible by... No, that's not true. Our editors are no longer AJ Chowdhury and I Eric Bozart. I was going to say, but I... Our editors are now Nick Lind and Maddie Walleen. Wow. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine, student government, and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere. I'm Dave Etler saying, don't let the bastards get you down. Talk to you in one week. Bye. Have a nice Peace weekend. Out. Bye. Hi, Shortcoats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but in my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need. And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you and I'm glad you're here and other people are too. 